Today's Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25, which can be found on the church, um, in the church Bible on page 830. In the time of Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Well, please keep that passage open as we uh, look at uh, God's word together. But why don't we start with prayer? Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus coming down. Thank you for the salvation that he brought. And we just pray that you would lift our eyes to him, uh, keep us trusting him, uh, keep us turning to him. Uh, Please speak to each of our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Great. Well, yeah, it's Christmas, isn't it? Even though it's a normal service, but we have the ponchettas. I guess most of us have known for a while that Christmas is coming. So the 1st of November, the day after Halloween, all the shops have Christmas things out, come and buy things. Uh, we've just had our family service, our two Advent candles. We can't miss it, isn't it? Christmas is here. And I guess for most of us, Christmas is the very... Uh, we th you think of Christmas, you think of tradition, right? Most families, they have Christmas traditions. We do this every year with Christmas. Uh, countries have their own uh, things. Uh, you know, Germany, uh, we all know they have the, the Weihnachtsmarkt, right? The Christmas market, every single... Um, is this working? No? Now it is. Uh, the, the Christmas market. Uh, in England, they... Uh, no? Oh, sorry, I should have tested this beforehand. I, I <laughs> like in England, okay, well English tradition, so you have turkey for Christmas dinner and sprouts. I think sprouts is a great way to celebrate. Uh, but uh, what else? Uh, you have Christmas trees. And some of these things go way back, right? Uh, Christmas trees, probably in the 8th century, uh, they started doing these kind of things. It's very long. And even if you think, okay, these traditions are not really from the Bible or anything, so many things are traditional, right? Uh, songs. So Christians have been writing songs for 2,000 years. Here in church, we mainly sing songs from just the last 20 years. Right? Only modern songs. But now today, the most recent song you sung is from the 18th century. Right? Uh, it feels very old-fashioned. But that's, you know, Christians have been celebrating Christmas for ages. And people like that. Many Christians find that comfortable. Uh, people outside, they want to come to church again. It feels familiar, traditional. Uh, what should we f Christians think of that? Uh, is that a good thing? You know, we feel comfortable, it's a tradition, uh, or should we, should we change things? Some Christians, you know, Christ no, no, we need to update it. We need to make it new for the millennials. Well, actually, today will be a very helpful passage as we think of, yeah, traditions. Of course, it's not a Christmas passage. It's not that uh, we have a reading from Luke. Luke wasn't writing a Christmas book. Luke was writing a gospel. He was writing, uh, uh, yeah, the gospel of, uh, yeah, uh, of Luke, uh, the book of Acts. It's actually two volumes. And it wasn't written for Christmas. Why was it written? Well, come back with me to verse 3. We didn't read it. So why does Luke write? With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning... I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Uh, he's writing an orderly account. He's a careful historian. He's looked at all the uh, details. He's interviewed the people. And now he's making an account of, you know, the things that have happened. Jesus and the start of the church. Uh, for someone called Theophilus, probably a, a first century quite rich believer who is supporting him, <laughs> who is uh, kind of allowing him to do this history writing. Uh, you can imagine Christianity like uh, at that time. You know, all these little churches around the Roman Empire. Uh, this new religion. Why does Luke write? Verse 4. 
so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Theophilus, I want you to have confidence in this. I want you to be certain about this, certain about the gospel, uh, certain about this, this movement, this new religion, certain that this is from God. This is the real thing, even though many people reject it. This is the real thing. Confidence to proclaim it. I guess that's what we want, right? We're here celebrating Christmas. Why are we in church? We've put our hope in Jesus. We believe that, okay, he is the one who can save us. He is the one who can sort out the mess that this world is. He can, you know, bring hope. But that hope needs to be reliable. You know, what's the point in hoping in something uncertain? We want to have confidence. And that is why, well, this is a great passage to look at. Why uh, should we have confidence? Well, I've called it Christmas uh, old and new as we look at this passage. Christmas old and new. And the first thing, I guess, well, Christmas old. Christmas, it's old. Christianity, it's not new. I mean, for us, of course, 2,000 years later, even back then, you know, the 60s. Christianity, it's not new. It's got a long history and background. And Luke takes us on a journey. He takes us back in time, 60, 70 years. Uh, He takes us to another place. He takes us to Jerusalem, thousands of kilometers away, to uh, the, the temple of God in Jerusalem. And, yeah, it's such a different atmosphere, right? I mean, here is a priest, Zechariah. And he's got a wife from the the family of Aaron, so from the right kind of family background. And they are walking blamelessly, observing all the Lord's commands. It's just such a different feel, isn't it? Christianity, here's a temple with priests burning incense. I mean, so much of it is is different, Uh, the writing style. You know, if you read this in Greek, it's very clumsy and wooden. Uh, Luke, of course, is a Greek speaker. He speaks perfect Greek. But you read these chapters and it's very clunky. Because that's the, that's the Greek Old Testament. And, uh, everyone was reading the Greek Old Testament and it was a pretty bad translation. And it was very accurate. But do you know the King James Bible? Uh, and it came to pass in those days. It just, it, it's, it's not how we speak anymore. But that is exactly the style here. It's, it's a bit like you, you have a novel... Uh, most of it is in, in England, and it's perfect English. And then, you know, there's one scene in Hong Kong, and it's all kind of Chinglish. I don't know. Uh, I go eat la, war, uh, okay, la, I don't, I don't know, you know. <laughs> you, 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 just, you feel like you're back there. You know, back in a temple where for 1,500 years, you know, people have been worshipping God. For 1,500 years, priests have been burning incense. Uh, This is old. And of course, it's not just culture. Uh, This is God's temple, God's history. I mean, where does the meeting take place? Where does uh, Zechariah meet the angel? Well, it's not while he's doing the dishes. It's not while he's having a walk outside. Right? It's there in the temple. Uh, He's the priest. He goes in. He goes in to meet with the God who saves, the God who speaks, their God, the God who is with them. And that is exactly when that angel shows up and and gives them this message. And and, and this was a very 
special moment. You can see God's hand in it. I mean, I don't know what you thought of that detail. Yeah, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, that may not strike us as special. Apparently, at that time, there were 18,000 priests. And each division was on duty twice a year. And if you do the maths, that means there's about 700 priests in his division. So how likely is it that he was there? Actually, only one. You only get to do this once. If you've been chosen by lot, then after that, the rest of your priestly career, you know, it's other people's turn. This is the one time that Zechariah went to the temple to, to pray for the nation, to burn incense, had to, to meet with their God. And then here he, the angel comes. I've got a message from God. He's going to fulfill his promise. You're going to have a son. This is, you know, the God of all this history. And he is there. And he is still there. And he is fulfilling his promises. Because it is about promises. It's about hope. I don't know what you think the great hope is in the Old Testament. It's the promises to Abraham. Uh, Abraham, uh, Genesis 12, all the way at the start of the Bible. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've rejected God. The world is messed up. But God promises, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the world through you. And God gave a special sign that, you know, I'm going to do the impossible. What? Well... Abraham, you're going to be a great nation with lots of descendants. The thing is, he was 75 years old and never had a child. He and his wife. His wife was 60. Right? How are they going to get a great nation? But 25 years later, well, here's the hope. They, they had a baby. <laughs> you know, hundreds. Sarah was 85. I mean, it's such a beautiful picture. You see a baby, and it's, it's life and hope, right? A future. But, but then, uh, uh, yeah, barrenness. It, it's like we, we, we can't produce any life ourselves. We can't produce any hope. But God, he can bring life out of death. He can bring hope where there's nothing. And, and, and now we get exactly the same thing. Zechariah, he's probably nearly 60. Uh, no child, same thing. A godly old couple. You will have a child. Uh, it's that same hope that is there. It's what he's been praying for. Why do you think he's there in the temple? Well, he's, incense is about prayer. He's praying, God, please come fulfill your promises to us, the nation. Uh, I mean, when it says, uh, you know, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Most of us, we read that and we think, oh, the prayer for the baby. But I think it's more likely it's what he's just been praying there. And, and then he hasn't been praying for the baby, right? When you're there on behalf of the nation, you don't pray for personal stuff. Can you imagine if Glennis was here a moment ago and she's praying and she says, oh Lord, my foot hurts, please heal me. And I'm going to Australia, can you keep me safe? That would be weird, right? You pray for the nation. And he's been praying, Lord, you promised to Abraham, you've promised to Moses, you've promised to David, fulfill your promises. And there's the angel. God has heard your prayer. He's going to save. That's wonderful, isn't it? But, but I hope you get the point, isn't it? Here he is, 
And this promise is not new. Christmas is not new. The coming of Jesus was not out of the blue. This isn't a God who has just, only just shown up. For thousands of years, God has been with them. For God, thousands of years, God has been at work. He's been speaking and saving. God is there. And that means Christmas, yeah, it's not new. It's old, right? It's something with a, a, a long background. And, and that should give us confidence, right? For us, the salvation that Jesus came to bring, it's something reliable. God is not uh, out of the blue. He's been at work all that time. I mean, we get visitors here in church, and, you know, we, we, we talk to them, and then they say, okay, see you next week. Now, I hope they come back next week, but, but often they don't, and, and, and that's okay. You know, it's not the kind of, they've only been once. Doesn't necessarily mean they come back, right? But if someone has been here for 10 years and they say, see you next week, I will believe it <laughs> much more. Why? Because of their history, right? And here is a God who has been, uh, you know, he's been with these people and speaking and saving for thousands of years. We, we talk about the first and second coming, right? And, and that's true. The, the incarnation was unique for, for God to take on a human nature. That's so special. Absolutely. But it was not the first time that the Son of God appeared on earth. He appeared to Abraham lots of times. Isaac, Jacob, the burning bush, Mount Sinai, Moses at the cleft of the rock. God has been appearing loads of times. So when it now says, okay, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to come back, we, we can believe it, right? He's been He's come hundreds of times. He saved his people hundreds of times before. Even last week we saw that in Esther, right? God has been saving his people for ages. So he will do it again. Maybe you're here as a, as a visitor, you know? Um, you're not a Christian. What makes you think you can trust Christianity? You know, was this just one guy, crazy guy, 2,000 years ago? Uh, just a myth. Well, actually, it's got a long history, and you can trust that. I mean, think of uh, some of those New Age books and spiritual books. So every few years, someone comes along and, oh, God appeared to me, and he told me all this, and I've written a book about it. Come buy it. You know, and it's completely new, completely different. Would you trust that? My guess is, well... This is new. I've never heard it before. Why should I trust this? You know, if God cares about us so much, why didn't he show up earlier? There's no reason to trust it, right? We can trust Christianity because it's, it's, it didn't start with Jesus. It started thousands of years earlier. It started in the Garden of Eden. You know, God, God has always been there. He's always cared. He's always loved the world. You can trust it. You know, of course, not every tradition is true, just because something is old. You know, there's plenty of superstition in all kinds of countries. It's more the other way. If there's no history, no background, then why would you trust it? Now, Christianity is old. It has this huge history. 
you can trust it. You're trusting in something real. Yeah, something, yeah, with a CV. And that's wonderful. It does mean the Old Testament is important, by the way. Yeah, some Christians, they never read the Old Testament, just the New. Actually, <laughs> the Old Testament is important. It's the hundreds of times that God has shown up before. But that is Christmas old. And, and it, it means tradition, yeah? It's good. It's great that Christmas sounds old-fashioned with a creed and old carols. It shows our history. It shows this is, this is not a one-hit fad hype that goes away again. But at the same time, as you read this, one thing you should also notice is that Christmas is new. Yes, it's, it's in line with everything that's come before, but it's also new. And of course it's new in some ways. Why were they praying? I mean, <laughs> they wanted something to change. They wanted something new. They weren't happy with the Romans in their country. But actually look at this baby. So their baby will be John the Baptist, but he had a job to do. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. What is this baby's job when he's grown up? Verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Yes, these Jews have been praying and they've been waiting, but <laughs> they're not ready. John the Baptist comes before Jesus to, to preach and to tell people to repent, to get baptized, to get forgiven. They need to change. Actually, that, that, that's part of the fulfillment. In some ways, this is part of the, the old history. I mean, come with me to Malachi chapter 4, which is the last verses of the last chapter of the last book of our Old Testament. It's page 780. Yeah, so you may wonder, Elijah, children and parents. Well, that is just Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. The last prophet of the Old Testament. Maybe 400 years before this happened. In verse 5 and 6. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And now this doesn't sound very positive, but it's the same things, right? Elijah needs to come. Uh, he will turn the children to the parents and the parents to the children. I guess because families are so important. Families are, it's almost the, 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 the heart of, of normal life. I mean, if love for others starts somewhere, it will start in the family, right? Uh, obedience to God, it starts in the family at home. And so turning the children to the parents, it's like, you know, getting the nation to turn to God again and his ways. But why do people need to get ready? Well, <laughs> in Malachi, it's, it's judgment, right? The great and dreadful day of the Lord. After all, these people, yeah, you read the Old Testament, these people are not ready, right? They live their own way. They've been worshiping idols. They are not ready for 
God to come and make everything right. Because it means they'll be excluded. Right? That's why it ends, you know. Uh, lest I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I don't know, we think of Jesus coming to save, but in the Old Testament there's a strong expectation he will also judge because salvation and judgment go together. And that is why John comes, to warn people, to get them ready. I don't know, you think of Jesus is the one who brings us back to God. But, uh, but back in Luke, it's, uh, you know, it, it's John the Baptist, right? He will turn many of the people of Israel back to the Lord their God. Because we also need to respond. Yeah, we, need to, uh, we need to do something. Because this is new. And God kindly warns people. You know, something is going to change with Christmas. It's not going to be like before when God overlooked the people's sin. And, I mean, he wasn't okay with it, but he didn't destroy them. There's something new here, something that's going to change, and that means people need to get ready. It, we need to respond. It's not automatic. And we, we sing joy to the world, and that's true, but it's, in some ways it's only for the world when they respond to Jesus, right? Christmas is great. It's worth celebrating, but it's not automatic. It's... It's, it's new. We need to respond. And for Theophilus, well, that's partly why things are so different. Why are we no longer in a temple in Israel, but little Gentile churches? Well, because a lot of Jews were not ready and did not respond rightly. We need to respond. I mean, you get that partly with Zechariah's response. You know, Luke puts that right in front, that, you know, we need to respond. Because... Did you notice the parallels between Zechariah and Mary? Here are these two people. Very similar situation, right? Because uh, uh, they get a visit from Gabriel and that they're going to have a miraculous baby. Very similar. Except they get very different responses. Here's Zechariah. And uh, what does he say? You know, how can I be sure? Verse 18. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. You know, he, he, you know verse 20, what does the angel say? Eh, he says, okay, you're not going to speak, a bit of a slap in the face. Well, because you did not believe my words. Mary, on the other hand, well, you know, I'm the Lord's servant. Uh, verse 45, if you look ahead, blessed is she who has believed. You know, one person believes, the other doesn't. And the one who believes, well, you're, you're blessed. And the one who doesn't believe, a little slap. You're going to not speak for nine months. I mean, in some ways, this is shocking, right? He, this is the, 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 the priest. You know, he's uh, nearly 60. He's been serving God all that time. He's just there, burning incense on behalf of the nation, praying. And then God says, your prayer has been answered, and he doesn't believe it, right? What a shock. And then there's the poor teenage girl. And she believes. Maybe sometimes the people who respond and who believe are not the people you expect. But, <laughs> yeah, there is a response. And so the question is, are, are you ready for Christmas? I don't mean buying presents. Are you, have you responded to Jesus? Because, yes, it's, 
it's old, it's got a good background, but there is a response needed. Jesus will come and there will be a separation. Are you ready? Uh, maybe for you Christmas is old. You know, you, you've been born in a Christian family and all your life you've been coming to church and it's, it's familiar and especially Christmas, you like the tradition and you just, yeah, you feel comfortable here. And, and that's great. Uh, but have you responded to Jesus? Have you turned from going your own way and put your trust in him? Because there's a lot of people in church at Christmas who haven't. Huh? Have you responded to Jesus? Tradition is not enough. All these Jews, they've been in this traditional culture, they've been born into, they were not ready. Come and talk to me more later if you want to know more. Okay, how do I do that? Uh, how do I trust in Jesus? How do I turn from my sin? But I guess for many others of us, we, that, that's not our application. Um, we have responded to Jesus. Christmas is a time of joy. I hope we feel more confident. How else should we apply this? Well, I think especially with two carol services the coming weeks, the right application. How about getting others ready? How about getting others ready? Because it's not just us. There are other people out there in the world. And are they ready for when Jesus returns, the second coming that we celebrate. And the thing is, the first and second coming, are they follow the same pattern. You know, Jesus came the first time to Israel. The second time he's coming for the whole world. And the first time in his kindness, well, he sends John the Baptist. He sends a messenger to warn people, a prophet. How does volume two start? How does act start? Well, the disciples are given a, a job, right? Go and, and tell the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, you know, John is empowered by the Spirit. The disciples get the Spirit. And then they quote from Joel, you know, uh, everyone will prophesy. doesn't mean getting messages from God. It's about, you know, proclaiming, <laughs> warning people. That's what prophets do. They warn people that Jesus will come. Tell the good news. And so for us, the application, well, in some ways you take acts and we should be like John the Baptist. We should warn people, right? We are the ones who now have the job to prepare people for the Lord's coming, to turn, help them get back to the Lord. And so, yeah, do you have these invitation cards? Let's give them out to our friends, family. Uh, explain the gospel yourself. Uh, let's get people to hear this good news. I mean, it is good news. Many will rejoice. Uh, Jesus is worth celebrating, but people need to respond. And they don't respond unless we invite them and tell them. Great. Well, that's a good application for Christmas. Why don't we pray together and then sing our last carol? Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you that uh, actually Christmas is not the first time that you acted. You've loved us all the time, ever since Adam and Eve since. Thank you for your grace, your love. And we just pray that uh, we would ourselves respond. If any of us here have not yet come to Jesus, uh, personally trusted in him, would we do that this Christmas? Would it be the best Christmas ever? 
and help us to be faithful in the task you've given us. Help us to be like John, warning people, uh, to get people ready. Father, uh, we know it's good what Jesus will do, and yet we need to, people need to respond. Help us to be faithful in that. And help us to be excited about Christmas. Thank you that Jesus will come back. Thank you that he will make everything right. Uh, he can be with you forever, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, everything will be when Jesus comes back. Help us, yeah, to celebrate Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Let's sing this wonderful carol.